What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of the Hunt, Lift, Eat podcast brought to you by Hunt, Lift, Eat official. It's Perry coming at you again, playing host tonight, joined by Jack and Papa Stark. Boys, they let us back. We had, we must have done a good enough job in the tobacco barn that they, they didn't fire us, at least. No, sir. Yeah, yeah. They're going to they're gonna realize they're, they're screwing up real soon, I imagine. Well, I mean, you know, they've got they've got uh they've got limited you know material to work with here, but we uh, it's we, uh, the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's the three of us. You know, just recorded that episode. It feels like it's already it's been it was a hell of a week. It was a long week, but I mean that was within the past week, and uh, here we are back to do another one. I'll be honest with you. It's not going to be near as much fun. S- something about sitting there in, a, in an old tobacco barn, smoking stogies and talking about a, an elk hunt. Tonight's episode um, is going to be great, but man, there's no substitute for doing these things in person. No, nah, 100%. That's what I said the other day. It's kind of a bummer. Yeah, the tobacco barn had the ambiance and the rendezvous had that ambiance that, you know, just you, you can't recreate it. No, yeah. no, you can't. I was, I was listening that, back to Jack. Uh, elk story and you could kind of hear the guys in the background you know it's kind of cool oh yeah 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 we've already gotten some good feedback on that episode so really appreciate you sharing that story with us zach or jack excuse me it was awesome um so tonight we are talking about the uh the three r's a topic that um you know is certainly no secret to, to anyone out there um and, you know, it, it certainly, um, but it, it, it's, it merits discussion and it's something that we've talked about on this podcast before, but, um, I think, I think you brought it up to, uh, to Carter, David, and I think it's, I think you two gentlemen are the perfect guys to dive into this, um, a little bit deeper than we ever have before. Um, the three R's for any of you that may not know, um, out there, the three R's of hunting are, uh, recruitment, retention, and reactivation. And these are kind of three pillars um, that we as hunters use to um, to emphasize the things about about hunting that that um, that are important. Um, the ways to, to expose um, our passions to new folks out there. Um, and it's it's a it's a it's a great way to kind of focus and consolidate the mission um, and the, the the purpose and some of the reason why behind we do what we do. And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, I know this is one you've been wanting to to do for a while now, David. Um, just introduce introduce us to your perspective on the three R's um, and and why it uh, why it's something that you felt you know merits some attention. Yeah. So you know, for me, um, looking at the three R's, you know, they're kind of like. You know, it's the three pillars uh, of the outdoor world, right? It's kind of like three pillars, hunt, lift, and eat. Um, you know, and, and it's got to be uh, of utmost uh, importance to, to kind of keep these things moving and alive, you know, um, and, and constantly be looking at at each one um, to see where we can improve. Uh, you know, upon bringing new folks in and, and keeping folks in. And, uh, you know, one of Jack, I'm sure is the same. And it's kind of been a thing across the board for everybody in the, on the team, really. Um, 
a lot of guys their their favorite thing to do is is introduce somebody into the space you know introducing somebody to whether it's hunting trapping fishing you know just general outdoorsmanship period you know and and you know one hand can kind of eventually wash the other if you look at it that way and so you know for, to, to keep this thing rolling to keep the 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 north american model operating as well as it does these these are the things that we've got to do you know these i think i think these are the three most important things that we have to do because you look at at recruitment you know recruitment starts you know if you've got kids it starts right there in your backyard it's that simple exactly so jack i mean david just touched on it right there the North American model, it's a term that gets thrown around a lot. Um, I think you've, you know, just with your years of experience, you've probably got uh, a ton of perspective on this. And, and this provides a framework for those three R's, right? This is this is that reason why, um, you know, recruitment, retention, reactivation, why these things are critical. It's all built into this model that we operate under, right? This umbrella of, of, uh, of hunting and conservation that has been developed in the United States. So, um, you know, just quickly give us your perspective on, on the North American model, the successes, the failures and, and what it is, um, about it that makes it so unique and, and, uh, and then how that ties into the three R's. You know, one of the main things in our model here in North America is every one of us that buys a license has skin in the game. Every time, we purchase a gun or a fishing rod and reel or ammunition. Those there's excise taxes that are paying for managing all of our fish and wildlife resources out there. You know, with the Pittman Robertson monies. Um, so we are hunters and we're the true conservationists of the United States and of North America. And if it wasn't for us, um, folks who, who aren't hunters wouldn't, wouldn't have nearly the amount of uh, black bears and buffalo to, to, to knock them over with when they're out there in Yellowstone Park. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, that's right. Yeah, I, that's, that's it's, exactly right. You know, I was fortunate. I, 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 had, I had a grandfather and a, and a father that both hunted. And so to me, it was organic. I, I didn't have to go looking for it. It, it, was, it was part of, of, of my growing up. And I just was one of those things where in Wisconsin, you know, in, in November, everybody was going to go deer hunting, you know, and, and, and before you were able to hunt yeah, Thanksgiving, there weren't any men around because they're all out in the woods and you were there with, with your mom and your grandma and your sister. Uh, now, thankfully that's changed and we have women that are there that are getting involved thanks to what we're doing with, with the three R's, the recruitment, um, yeah, so I, I you know, I, I look at I went to a natural resource school. I was actually a forestry major. I wanted to be a game warden. Uh, oh. I ended up in federal law enforcement. You know, um, so you know, even as as a grown man going to college, I, I was going you know try to manage our our, our resources. So I, I got to see it from a, a different perspective. So all my peers, you know, my college roommates are all involved in you know wildlife and waters and and and, and the forests. Yeah, that's that's great. 
perspective and I, I didn't know that I'm, I come from a similar background with natural resources. You know, I mean, I was, I was a forestry and wildlife major myself. And I, a lot of times I find that I, I, over the years, I've taken that for granted because I, I, and I was similar to you. I was, my father was a forester and um, my mother was raised by a, you know, a cattle farmer. So there was always, you know, just in my childhood, there was this kind of inherent connection to the land. Right. And so, um, and then going to school and studying some of these things and learning, um, some of the mechanisms that were in place with that North American model. It's like, then you get out into the real world and, you know, you find people that have never, they've never hunted, you know, their idea of, of enjoying the outdoors is going on like a, you know, a paved greenway trail walk <laughs> behind a subdivision. Right. And it's like, they have no understanding of the work that it took to build this model. And the fact that it was hunters and anglers that voluntarily, imposed this tax upon ourselves in order to fund the um the conservation of so many species and there's so many success stories i mean we talked about it <laughs> hell a week ago yeah. with your elk hunt it's like the fact that you were able to have an elk hunt in virginia a successful elk hunt is a testament to that north american model right that's just one of, of many success stories and so that's what for me you know it's like it's like you said i look at my children and I want to make sure that um, that that is not lost on them, that their that their generation um, has some understanding of, you know, of kind of where we've been and, and how we got to the place we are. Right. And that's that's uh, that's kind of, the you know, the the first step of that recruitment aspect for me is um, and it's it's been something that solidified in recent years just with having kids. Right. Um, before yeah. you have kids, you, it's it's kind of hard to put yourself in the in the mind frame of a parent. Um, but when you do, buddy, things come into focus. Yeah, hundred exactly. percent. You know, I like I like what you said there. You know, with with um, with folks, you know, a lot of people don't realize, and we said it on on Jack's podcast was, uh, you know, they don't they don't realize that all that stuff wouldn't be there if it weren't for hunters and con- you know in our conservation efforts. But on top of that, like not only are we, you know, spending money and propping up an industry um, and funneling tax dollars into the economy, there's extra tax on top of that. That's going like we're, we're literally taxing ourselves and have agreed to tax ourselves to keep this yep. lifestyle alive. Yep. Yes, yeah, the only time that you'll ever hear me not bitch about taxes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I tell people, I say, I, I buy, you know, the license that covers everything in the state of Virginia, you know, salt water, fresh water, just because like, if, even if I don't do it that year, I know it's it's going to go out and help all of our resources. And, and as we talked about one of my uh, previous podcasts about, you know, getting everybody under the tent poles together. Well, I may not do what you do hunting or fishing. I want to ensure that you can keep doing it because, you know, together we're stronger. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, man, 100%. So, so when, when you, when you two fellas look at bringing, bringing folks under those, you know, proverbial tent poles, um, in some ways it's easy with your kids, right? Because like they're your kids and, and, you know, I, I know for me, like my son, he, he sees me shoot my bow and he sees me, shoot guns and watch hunting shows on TV and like get out there on the, on the family farm and ride around on the four wheeler and hang trail cameras and, 
and put out minerals and all these things. And it's like, it's not that tough to convince him that this looks like something he wants to do. Right. But like, <laughs> you know, what, uh, what, uh, what methods have you guys used with, with your kids and, and also not just with your kids, with others, like for some people, it's the, it's the, it's the food, right? It's the, the ability to have, um, organic, clean, you know, the best damn food that you can imagine, the, the yeah. purest quality protein out there. Yeah. That's a driving factor for other folks. It's the, uh, it's the, it's, it is that, you know, that understanding of that conservation aspect and that we're, you know, we're funding something that's, that's larger than just, um, you know, it has more meaning than just the, the taking of a single life with the, with the harvest of a deer. So, I mean, for you fellas, what is it, how have you taken that recruitment um, message to, to your children or others? Well, as a, as a, I was an assistant scoutmaster when my son was a, a boy scout. And so incrementalism is what I like doing. Like even with the adults, I would bring my hand grinder and grind black rifle coffee <laughs> in the morning and I'd make, get the jet boil out uh, or get the camp stove out and, and, and make coffee over a campfire or coffee over, you know, camp stove. And they, they were excited. So it's an incrementalism. And then it's like um, going, going on a hike and then finding foraging, you know, finding a mushroom here or finding some wild berries that are, that are edible, and, you know, and you caution them, look, not everything out here is edible, but this is, and, and this, this is how you, you know, determine this berry from another berry or, or, Hey, the pine cone, these are pine nuts. You know, they sell them in high end stores, you know, to, to do Italian cooking, but you can open up a pine cone, you can eat those pine nuts. So I like to do the incrementalism, you know, getting, getting them out camping and, and showing them that, you know, while you're roughing it, it doesn't have to be rough on you. You know, it can be enjoyable sitting underneath the stars, getting away from, you know, electronics, you know, actually seeing, oh, wow, there's, there's more stars. There's more than just the Big Dipper. There's a bunch of stars behind that. Yeah, right. yeah 100%. Uh, no, I, I love that incrementalism, like putting it that way is, is fantastic, you know. And that was like with, with my kids, you know, just exposing them to, you know, exposing them to the lifestyle, letting them get out, go hunting, you know. And, and you know, we talked about we had a, a an episode a while back about getting your kids out and, and giving them the option, not forcing it on them or anything like that. Because, you know, kids, they don't like anything. Nobody likes to have, have shit pushed on them, you know. And, uh, yeah. you know, I've got I've got a buddy that, that you know, not not much of an outdoorsman to speak um doesn't much like camping because some experiences he had when he was a kid and things like that and so you know i used kind of like what what uh perry was saying earlier the the food aspect of it you know he had he'd only had uh you know deer meat one time and somebody just fried the shit out of it you know and he was like that was all right and i was like no man like there's there's so many better ways to cook that than just frying the hell out of it and uh, so he was his boy. He has, yeah. he has an older boy that, that is really interested in all this stuff. And so, I, you know, I've been working with his boy for the last couple of years. Um, and so I brought his boy over to the house while I was, you know, I was finishing up processing um, a couple of back hams. And, and I had some tenderloin out. And so, you know, you're going to give them the nice stuff to really kind of reel them in, you know. And so I, I grilled a couple of pieces of it up for him real quick and, and I was like, look, man, that, you know, that's what you're getting. This is, this is high quality shit. You don't just fry the shit out of it, you know? And, uh, 
And he sat there and ate and he ate and he ate and he was like, oh my God. Like, and then there was a whole chunk left laying on the plate and he was like, you going to eat that? And I was like, dude, I got a freezer of this shit. Like knock yourself out. And so he, kinda, he doesn't have anything against hunting. It was just, he had never been exposed to it. And he, he kind of was like, I was, you know, I'm afraid I, I wouldn't be able to do it, you know, cause they're so pretty and this and that. No, it's not, I, I get that. And I, I like, I love that reverence for the beauty of the animal man i'm all for that um but you can you know he's he's a pretty healthy guy and health conscious guy and i said you can do so much more for yourself right here and do it you know with your own hands with these critters and uh you know i i, I think i'm slowly chipping away at him you know he fishes now i got him to go camping um earlier this year um and I got him into fly fishing last year, year before we went, anyway, we went earlier this year, did some camping, caught some trout, cooked trout on an open fire. And like two days later, he's like, man, I'm ready to get back camping. And like this dude like was not for camping by any stretch, you know? And so <laughs> you, you get them out there and, and, you know, show them that it's not, you know, it's not all ticks and butt sweat, you know, it's actually a pretty good time. And, uh, you know, right. easing them into it, right. you know. Well, and also, you know, you're not just out there as a as some sort of, you know, bloodthirsty savage just trying to kill something for the sport of it, you know, so to speak. There's that that image is a is a pretty common trope of the of the hunting world. But like, you know, in order to in order to have a appreciation for that piece of meat and, and, and dude, I can't tell you how many times in college and just, you know, through the years with friends. You know, I spent I spent a lot of years living in the city of Charlotte, and I'd meet guys that had no experience with hunting, and be like, "Yeah, I tried venison one time. It sucked. It's it's tough. It doesn't have a good flavor. It tastes gamey. It's shitty. Like I don't want to eat that." I'm like, "Man, come over to the house. Let me cook you up a steak. Let me do it right." And it's like, "Holy shit, that's what a deer tastes like." It's like, "Yeah, you you treat it with a little bit of respect. You have a little bit of reverence for it, and." <laughs> Like, how could you not like it? Yeah, exactly. I, I think a lot of folks have had that experience where, uh, you know, they got some somebody that, that doesn't mind something that's got that wild taste to it. I, I don't much like using the term gamey, but, you know, so they'll, they don't, uh, they don't age the deer for a few days, you know, throw it, throw it in ice chest or, or whatever and age it for a few days before they, they go on to finishing out processing and things like that. And, and somebody gets hit with that, that wild flavor, like right off the bat and has never had it. Like there are not a lot of folks that are, that are going to be real keen on that. And you, and you can start with like Carter, you know, he, he brought all those vegetables up to the rendezvous. You know, you can, you know, start with that. You know, some of the wild things that you forage yep. or grew in your garden, you know, get, getting people interested in, and in, in, in being outside and being in the outdoors. Yeah. You know, we got little kids interested in, in um, releasing monarch butterflies. Yeah. You can you can get those kits and you can grow, you know, you get caterpillar and you, you get the milkweed and you, you start growing the, you know, getting them all fattened up. And then also they make the chrysalis and then they come on out and you can release them. And you're actually helping because, you know, there's, there's been kind of a, a dearth of uh, uh, monarch butterflies. And, you know, you're, you're, you're helping the conservation of, uh, of butterflies. And that might interest a, a child to go to a school like we went to, you know, and, and, and become involved in wildlife management or, or fish management. 
Well, and you know, with, with children, the advantage with kids, you know, and y'all know this as fathers, I mean, they're so curious by nature. Like kids are just, they've got a million questions. I mean, my son went through a phase where it was like, I, I think every, you know, he didn't go five seconds without asking a question. And it's just like, it doesn't take a whole lot. And I love what you said, that, that incrementalism that, I mean, that's, man, that's a, that's such a valuable tool. It's like, you don't have to beat them over the head with it, David. You know, we, we, we talked about that at the, at the rendezvous with parenting. It's like, man, that's, that's been a hard lesson for me to learn, but it's so valuable is that like, you just give them that little nudge and they're so curious, you know, whether it's like you say, whether it's raising a butterfly or, or learning how to grow a squash in the garden or, you know, man, my son loves to go out with me and set trail cams. And it's like, you know, I, I, I've got to hope that at some point, you know, when he's got about five, 10 years of setting trail cams under his belt, just tagging along with me, he's going to probably, you know, have a pretty good idea of what a, what a decent trail cam setup looks like. And he's going to be way ahead of where I was when I was his age. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I've said it before with, with, with my daughter, I've got a middle daughter that, you know, she's not, she likes to fish a little bit. She's not real big on hunting and stuff like that, but she loves, loves exploring. She loves getting out and, you know, she asked for waders for Christmas, loves getting out and flipping rocks and finding bugs and, and all of that kind of stuff and just being out in the middle of everything. Yeah, like I said, I was fortunate growing up to have a, a father that, that, that hunted and fished. But it's like, you know, some of these folks that, that didn't have a parent or an uncle or someone in their family that hunted, that, you know, those are a lot of the folks that we, we also wanted to start pulling in under the tent poles. And, and I know we kicked around, like, you know, how, how do we do that? How do we recruit somebody that's you know on on the outside of our group and 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 bring them on in? You know, like Hunt Lefty, we you know we got folks that want to come and be part of the group. They're because they're out already actively involved in some of the same pursuits that we're into. And I know we had talked to yeah. I and Corona about it on one of the yeah, previous ones. Yeah. It's like you know how how do you find that person who might might be interested in it? And, and, and what do we do to pique their curiosity as an adult and not a child to want to want to come out there? And that's that's why I really like the incrementalism model of that is like, you know, if you can serve them something to eat or you can, you know, take them take them out on a on a, on a one night or camping trip. That's real easy going towards it, it, it's, it's not a, a hardship. Yeah, 100 percent. Well, like. You know, to, to, to kind of skate on into to one of the other topics is is you know you you can utilize folks that are that are reactivated to, to as a recruitment tool. Like, I mean, for me, for all intents and purposes, realistically, I'm a I'm a reactivated uh, you know hunter, fisher, outdoorsman, whatever you want to call it, because you know I was around it when I was a kid. I did a little bit when I was a kid. I did more squirrel hunting than anything. Um. And then, uh, you know, when I was in high school and stuff like that, I was more interested in going uh, to the gym and stuff on the weekends while my dad was he was going out hunting and all that kind of stuff. And so I just I didn't spend that much time in it. And then, you know, the older I got and things like that, I started really to, to see the value in it. And I had and of course, I had a boy of my own um, and and wanted to pass that on to him. And so there was you know, there's reactivation there. And there were folks that were in, that were involved with me to, to, 
it helped me get back going and understand and learn some new things, you know, things that I didn't learn when I was a kid and, and all of that. And so, you know, you can use those opportunities to explain to people like, you know, don't be afraid to be, you know, an, an adult onset hunter as a recruit, you know, like, so I was around it when I was a kid. I, I know jack shit, you know, I had to get back in it at nearly 30 years old and, and start, you know, learning for all intents and purposes, learning from the word go, you know, from, from the very beginning, cause I hadn't done anything in so long. Yeah. I know there's, there's, there's some folks out there, you know, you got, you got to kind of find, you know, what the touch point is, is for some of these folks, like, you know, how do, how do we uh, find what they're interested in? You know, and that's talking to people. I, 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 like, I like to talk. So I like to try to get people talking about themselves. And when they come across something where our Venn diagrams cross over is where I start pulling the thread on those things. You know, like, you know, maybe like they like yeah. growing something in their garden or, or maybe, you know, they're interested in, in a certain kind of food and you can say, Hey, yo, Hey, let's, let's, let's try your recipe. Let's, let's try some wild game meat with that. Or let's try some, some wild fish with that. Or let's, you know, let's go out and do some foraging. Let's go look for some, you know, deer antlers out there, some drop, drop antlers or, 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 Hey, I know you like to run. Hey, how about we, uh, there's all these uh, geocaching out there. Let's go for a run. And, and let's, you know, go look for some of these geocaches, you know, just to get them out there, you know, engaged. And so it's really trying to find, you know, where our Venn diagrams cross. We can start pulling that thread to start, you know, trying to find where we have some, you know, connectivity. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, if you can find, if you can find where you have that common ground and, you know, and it, it just use that kind of incremental approach. I mean, there's a, there's a great book out there, um, that I would recommend everybody go read. It's a classic. It's, uh, how to win friends and influence people. Right. I mean, oh my gosh, it's not, you know, it's not a, it's not the most exciting read in the world. It's a little bit dry at times, but that book, it was so, I, I can't tell you how many times I've thought about that book, both in my professional and also personal lives. And, and it applies here, right? Because like, one of the big take home messages from that book is when you're, you know, when you're interacting with someone, make it focus on the commonalities that you have focus on, you know, where you have, I mean, that, that Venn diagram is the perfect metaphor. And you can do that. If you can do that with something like hunting or, or fishing or, or, you know, outdoor recreation, then it doesn't take much. And especially like in your case, David, there was, I feel like there were so many folks. It's so easy in this modern world that we live in. Like, I know a ton of guys that, that grew up the same kind of way, like shooting squirrels, the 22s and going out there and fishing on the river. And, you know, you go for a, a camping trip with your buddies and the dads. It's like, but then, you know, you go up and you, you go to college and you get a job and you move to the city. And, and all of a sudden we spend, you know, 10 hours a day in front of a screen and we're sitting in traffic. And then, you know, it's like you find, you find a way to reactivate something that someone's been missing and they can, you know, then, then think back to think back to their, their childhood and be like, man, I had, I had some really great times sitting there at the edge of the pond, wetting a line or, or, you know, walking around in the woods behind my house with my brother, like, like Evan and I did, you know, shooting squirrels and rabbits yeah. with 22s. It's like, yeah, one of my girls isn't the biggest outdoors person, but yeah, but, but she likes, she likes the outdoors, but she doesn't like 
going to them like like I do. And we we were walking along the Potomac River the other day on, on one of those paved walkways, but we were walking through a patch where it was loaded with honeysuckle. And I said, stop, stick your face in this and just smell. And then I'm like, here, take a little taste. And she's like, what? I'm like, yeah, take a little taste. And she's like, oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah. And then we walked a little further and there was a mulberry tree. And we just, oh. <laughs> we just started like just hammering the mulberries off that tree. Yeah. And, and it was, you know, people walking on the trail beside us kind of looking at us like, you know, what, what are you weirdos doing? And, you know, we're having just a great time just getting our hands all purple eating mulberries and that, and, and walking through that, you know, that just a, a ton of bushes of, of honeysuckle. It was, it was just, you know, that couple of times a year where it's just a short period where that honeysuckle is just overwhelming. And it was just fantastic. Yeah, I love it. I love, every time you say the Potomac, I get so excited that I know somebody that hangs out at the Potomac. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's you know, it's, it, and and it's good. You know, I'm, being in this city, um, you know, when we're talking about the the three hours there and the and, and the one of you know reactivating. You know, folks. You know, why, why did why did some of us shut down? You know, you know why. You know why? What happened that you know? Did they have a bad experience? Did they move to a place where there was, you know, not a place to get away? Like I was talking about earlier. You know, there was uh, going out to Camp Pendleton. It was it was like interesting being out there, but it, like you know, it's a it's a lot of sand. It's a lot of desert stuff. There's not like a whole lot of what I grew up with. You know, being right on Lake Michigan and having inland rivers and, and lakes and streams and forest land. Um, so I had to kind of find a, a, a new way of, of reactivating my own interest out there. And, you know, and, and that's, you know, one of the things we're trying to figure out uh, and the three R's after, you know, the, um, you know, since the 1980s, we've lost a lot of folks in the hunting and fishing community and it's, you know, and, and not all of them, you know, it's like, how do, how do we get some of those folks back in? You know, what do we got to do? You know, what, what are some you know, tactics and tips yeah. to do that? It's, you know, it, it was, it's, it was kind of surprising to me, you know, getting, I, I saw it more getting into uh, this team, believe it or not, than, than anywhere. I've been exposed to a lot of things that, that, that I wasn't before, but um, you talked about people moving and just, you know, they they're they get out of the lifestyle just because of the area that they move to. You know, they don't have those opportunities, you know, and, and you know, some folks have to kind of put that thing on the back burner for 10 or 15 years for professional purposes or, or whatever the case may be, you know. And so, you know, I think a lot of those are probably a lot easier to get in. But, you know, like you said, folks that had bad experiences, like find out what that bad experience was, you know, and, and if it was just a bad experience with another hunter, like, look, you know, let's, let's go out and spend some time before you even do anything. Let's, let's, you go hunting with me. Let me show you what this is like for a little while and, and show you, uh, you know, show you how this thing's supposed to be done. I think, you know, I don't know many folks that have had bad experiences with somebody like that, but they've got to be out there. You know what I mean? Or some some dude hopped in a truck with a guy that decided to drive through and, and poach a deer from the fucking road or something like that, and then dude gets in all kinds of trouble. So now he's soured on it the whole way around, you know. Um, so de- definitely trying to you know facilitate a better experience to these people if they've had you know a bad experience. 
Yeah, and I think to piggyback on on what you what you said there, David, is a big part of that is to find, you know, if you are someone out there who, you know, you you think you might be interested in kind of reactivating that, you do have some experience in the past, and maybe it was bad, maybe it was good, what have you, and you fell away from it for for whatever reasons, and you think you may be interested in getting back into it, you know, try to try to find folks in your, in your circle that you can, you know, overlap a little bit with, yeah. with that Venn diagram and reach out because like, man, you know, I, I've never met a, a guy or gal yet that was an avid hunter or fisher that wasn't more than willing to take someone with them and, and loves to be asked questions. You know, I, there's, there's I've, dude, we were talking about it before we started recording, Jack, like you and I've been saddle hunting what, probably now three or four years each. It's like, we're no experts, but man, I could, I could get into the weeds on talking saddles and bow hunting just because like, it's still novel to me and I still love it. And it's like, if someone came up to me and was like, man, I'm thinking about saddle hunting. Can you, can you talk with me? I'd be like, how much time you got, buddy? Let's sit down. Like, <laughs> let, let me go break out the saddle. Let's go climb a tree somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, find, man, I'll be honest. I was, I was kind of in a rut when it came to hunting for a long time because I, I never stopped hunting my entire life. I've always hunted, but like I've always hunted the same place, the family farm and it's amazing. And I whitetail is always going to be like my number one, but like one of the, one of the most eye opening aspects of this team for me, and I've talked about it ad nauseum is how, um, how like relatively accessible it is to branch out and try these other things. You know, I've been, I've now been to Colorado chasing antelope. Evan and I went to Idaho, you know, chasing elk. I've just really dove into turkey hunting the last couple of years. Yeah. I killed my first turkey a couple months ago. And it's like, I didn't grow up turkey hunting. I, I killed the turkey on the family farm that I've hunted my entire life, but I've never killed a turkey out there. It's like, that was a brand new experience. Yeah. And so just like having that willingness to try something new with some new folks. And this, this team has been, you know, has been huge for me. You know, Josh and I went and hunted up in Ohio uh, in the middle of December. Uh, you know, if you told me if prior to HOE that I'd be bow hunting in Ohio in December with some guy that I'd <laughs> never met before in person, <laughs> I would be like, "Man, you've lost your mind." Yeah. But you know, you you find that uh, you find that community of like-minded folks and crazy things happen. And that's those that's those modes for retention, right? I mean, that's what. You, you, like you said, you kind of hit the doldrums there for a little while, and, and then you found you know something that's new and exciting. Uh, just today, um, like you're talking about, you know, of course I've met Garrett, but you know, uh, I commented on something Garrett had posted. He was out catching some catching some trout, you know, and, and he, I, I didn't know that that he hadn't fly fished, and Chet was teaching him how to fly fish, and he said, you know, between. You know, between your podcast and everything that Chet was showing me today, he's like, I feel like I could guide fly fishing, you know. And I was like, Hell yeah, dude! Now we gotta, we gotta get together and do it, and this, and that, and the other. And he was like, Check this out. He's like, How about we swap hunts? Like, I'll come out to Oklahoma and uh, we'll do a black bear hunt, and then you come out here and we'll kind of do a mule deer slash backcountry fishing trip. And I'm like, When's the last time was I offered a backcountry mule deer and fly fishing trip? Never. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> so all these, you know, like I was talking to you, yeah, uh, it was either today or yesterday, Perry, about you know the turkey situation out there because we were talking about putting the hunt together, you know, because 
because ours is pretty dire. And I've I've never killed a turkey. I've yeah. hunted turkey for for quite a while, and it just you know never never sealed the deal. And and you know just having the opportunity to be able to, to move around and and link up with folks and and it's you know these these opportunities are there for people that aren't a part of this team. I mean, you look at and Luke and Carter, isn't that how they kind of kindled their whole relationship was he just kind of ran across the country and stayed the night with some dude he met on the internet and they went hunting together. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah, that's it. I, you know, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that for everybody, but Hey, it worked out. And, yeah. You know, here the three of us exactly. are recording our second podcast in under yeah. a week. Exactly. <laughs> that's one of the things that Grant said before we went. Yeah, they Sorry, could get Jack, some guys to go back and go ice fishing back in Wisconsin sometimes. I used to do that a lot as a kid, and it's a riot. It's so much fun. And people go, ice there's fishing? A, and no, it's, there's another one right there. I want to ice fish again, man. I mean, we would drill holes through the ice. You'd have an ice shanty out there, and you'd put the tip-ups in there, and you know, you'd be jigging through the ice. I got buddies who they spear sturgeon in Lake Winnebago. Yeah cut a big hole in the ice and, and they yep. make it all dark. And, you know, they get a spear there and they just like they're Poseidon and they wait till this five, six foot sturgeon comes through and they spear the thing. That's too <laughs> Yeah. Like I, 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 man, I'm, I'm, purse jerking it. I'm right there with David. I, I've, I've never ice fished, but I want to. Man. Oh yeah. Oh, looks like we're, Mule deer backcountry hunting, ice fishing, turkey hunting, all kinds of we got all kinds of shit to plan now. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, but that's oh, the thing, you know. Yeah. Throw throw the spaghetti out there and, and, and try something new. And that's you know, maybe that's how we you know try to get more folks reactivated, you know, that that, that aren't or you know, get folks to try something new and maybe yeah. you'll ignite a passion under into somebody. Yeah, hundred percent, you know. Because it's all about the whole thing, reactivation, keeping the folks in either one. Um, it's like we said, it's all about keeping this whole thing alive. It's about keeping the model alive. Um, you know, like one of the things I, I, I'd put in the notes and everything was like I, that I didn't realize just going through my, my just doing some research, you know, to make some some notes for this podcast was, you know, there's there's parts of the country where uh they're struggling because folks aren't buying clam digging and shellfish uh, permits, you know, that, cause they have residential and, and commercial, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, it goes, it goes way down the line. It's not just, you know, elk in Virginia and, and, you know, moose out in, in Maine or wherever the case may be. Um, you know, it goes, it goes way down the line. It's just, it's just it's it's bananas to think about it. Well, and that's that's a that's a good point to talk about something that honestly I I need to do a better job of myself, which is getting involved in local, you know, local conservation groups, local local hunting groups, you know, whatever it is, whatever it is that trips your trigger, you know, whether that be. Um, you know, National Wild Turkey Federation or, you know, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers or, you know, NDA, National Deer Association, uh-huh. um, if you're a whitetail hunter, you know, whatever it is, you know, it, find find uh, find that thing that you're passionate about and then get involved in, in these local chapters. And this, this is something that 
that I've been thinking about a lot and, and really been meaning to do. And it's just like, I need to do a better job of this myself because that's a great way to, you know, as you said, Jack is get, get under some legitimate tent poles with some other folks. They've got these tents out there, go find their tents, get under their poles and then figure out how we can get involved in the local areas. If you are in an area, you know, David, that, that is suffering from um, declining license sales for a, you know, what was a, once a commercial fishery and, and it's no longer, um, you know, no longer it's profitable. And then all of a sudden, you know, that starts to hurt the community. Yep. Then figure out what you can do. You know, there's a lot of areas in the Southeast right now that are struggling with Turkey populations. Yep. We're seeing declines with the wild Turkey. Fortunately, not where I am, um, not yet at least, but like as land managers, as property owners, as hunters and conservationists, we need to be thinking, well, how can we be, not only reactive to some of the issues that we're seeing, but we can be proactive to prevent it, you know, from yeah. spreading further and becoming a, a bigger problem. And, and so getting involved locally yeah. is, uh, is one of the ways you can address that. Yeah. And that's something, that, that's something that I've, that I've kicked around quite a bit here lately because, you know, here we don't, where I'm at, unless they're hiding out somewhere, you know, I, I don't know of any, you know, kind of local organizations that are going on anymore. My dad, my granddad, used to be part of, you know, bow hunters association that was down here and different things like that. Um, and different, you know, riding gun clubs or hunting clubs, whatever you want to call them. Um, and it's just, they're just not many here anymore. And I'm not really certain why. Um, and I think, you know, for me with the, on the fly fishing side of it, I, you know, trying to figure out how to get into something in this area to, to kind of grow that around here. We've got, uh, you know, we've got hybrid striped bass in our local lake. Um, that would just, you know, be a freaking ball to chase with a fly rod, you know, and whether it's not necessarily me starting a, a company and guiding people, but something to just get guys out to do and, and folks that, you know, now they're going to, they may not buy the extra $12 license to fish on this lake. Well, now they're going to do that so that they can come out and chase striper with a fly rod, um, you know, or it can be as simple as, as doing the, the roundup for conservation. You know, when I bought my license in in Virginia last week, like they do the same thing that they do in Oklahoma. You know, you want to round up to the nearest, you know, $5. Um, so maybe like another three or four bucks or whatever, throw a little bit of money in there. You know, you, you, you've invested a little more skin in the game at that point, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm fortunate around here because, you know, even though uh, – you know, trying to. I grew up with there were lots of conservation clubs that my dad belonged to in, in the state of Wisconsin. Um, fortunately, like uh, Fort Belvoir, where I do all my, you know, they got a ton of targets there. They got indoor range. They got 3D. Um, it, 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 I've joined the the Fort Belvoir bow hunters, and I'm able to to stretch out and do a few more things. But you're right, you know, trying to find those those yeah, organizations yeah. and join them and, and, and end up and going out and doing all the events that they do is important. Yeah, and that's that's key what you said too there, Jack, which is just like go go to an go to an event. Like it doesn't take a whole lot. I mean, um there are a couple examples for me that come to mind recently are one, you know, HLE, we had our, our shoot down there in Rome, Georgia, um, at MAF and uh you know, I met a couple of guys there at that archery shoot that are from, you know, the Charlotte area, which is, you know, North Carolina, not not too far from where I am. 
And uh, we got to talking. They're like, yeah, we, we you know, we, we are involved in the local, local archery club. And, and uh, we have all these, you know, different local shoots that we do. It's like, yeah, you should come out and, and, uh, and, and shoot with us. And it's like, man, that's, you know, there's a, there's a brand new connection there and, and who knows where that will lead. And then it's like, um, I joined this land trust a couple of years ago and I've, I've hunted, you know, hunted out there past couple of years and they're doing a, uh, they're doing a habitat summit later this year. And there's some really big names coming to this habitat summit. Uh, Dr. Mike Chamberlain, who we had on the podcast, who is, you know, one of the, the world's leading experts on wild Turkey. Um, Dr. Craig Harper over in uh, Tennessee, who was recently on, on meat eater. Um, he's going to be there giving a presentation. And it's like this, this talk is 20 minutes from my house and it costs, it costs $35 to go to. So you can bet your ass that I'm not going to be at work that day. I'm going to be over there talking to those guys and, uh, and seeing what I can learn. It's just like, you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully that's, those, those are the types of things like, you, you know, just start small and, and we'll, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, dude, that's, that's awesome. That's, you know, that's what it takes sometimes, right? It's kind of, kind of got to shirk some responsibilities every now and then. And, and that's okay. As long as you don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, the, the big one that we haven't spent as much time on yet of the, of the three R's is, uh, is retention. Um, what Jack and, and your, uh, your, your kids are obviously, um, a lot older than, than mine are. Um, what do you see as being, if, if, uh, if you're a parent out there that, that has kids, they get interested in the outdoors. They're, they're interested in hunting, fishing, camping, everything we've talked about tonight. But then, you know, they get to the age where your kids are and they go off to college and they're starting to think about jobs and, and they're, you know, your son's starting to thinking about girls more than he's thinking about guns. <laughs> I mean, you know, what, what are the things that are going through your mind to, uh, to retain folks and keep them plugged into, to the hunting and fishing world? Just find out what interests them. Like I said, you know, my I think my my daughter's on for a, for a walk the other day, and 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 having them stick their head into the, the the honeysuckle and smelling it and tasting a fresh mulberry. You know, there's nothing like it. Just find w- what their passion is, or what interests them, or or what they might like to do, and then show them that they can do that where they're at. My daughter, we're going to be taking her back up to Boston next weekend. She's going to start an internship up in Boston, um, and it's a city. But there are green spaces to get out and enjoy when she has time. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take her out to those green spaces. You know, there's rivers right along there, and, and there's things to do. Um, you know, and, my, and they both love to cook. So like I got to dehydrate. I'm like, hey, look, this this is how easy it is to make some jerky. Yeah, you know, we're we're, we're going to take this meat out of the freezer. We're going to let it thaw a little bit. When it's still a little bit, you know, frozen, we're going to cut it nice and thin. We're going to cut it like this, and then we're going to marinate it this way. You know, what what flavors do you like? Do you want teriyaki? You want soy? You want garlic? You know, you want it spicy? You know, so so whatever it is that's their passion, you know, you, you try to let them be able to 
you know, engage them in, in it so they can go and do it on their own at some point in time. Um, you know, like we talked about the, the, the Boy Scout methodology for everything is the edge technique. You know, that's, uh, you know, explain it. You want to you want to demonstrate it. Uh, you want to guide them. And after you do that, you've now enabled them. That's the edge technique. So you can do the same thing with this. Like, hey, look, I, I know you kind of like to, to eat these things. Here's how you can make your own jerky or, you know, hey, here, here's how you can grow these monarch butterflies or, hey, you know, Papa Stark, he, he used the edge method for fly fishing last week and he's he's got some new disciples out there, you know. Yeah. Um, and so that's what it is. It's, it's like, you know, however we can pull that string on these people to, to keep them interested. And like you said, you know, we've all had low points where we hadn't been really doing those things that we've enjoyed doing. And then we come back to them. And sometimes it's, it's, it's enabling these folks to be able to go out on their own and, and do those. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, that's awesome. That's a great perspective. What, what about you, Papa Stark? Man, uh, would you add? I don't know really much more that you could say other than than, than how Papa Jack just put it. Man, that's that's it's hitting the nail on the head, you know, and, and kind of listening to to the way he's laying it all out there and using the kids as the example. Like it's it's kind of interesting to see how each one of these, uh, you know, each one of these these uh, ideals they overlap into each other, right? Because he's using using recruitment you know, recruiting your kids into the lifestyle to retain, you know, your lineage as, as far as, uh, you know, your lineage staying in the space. You know what I mean? Um, I, yeah, I, but I really don't have anything for that. He kind of, kind of crushed it on that. One, to be honest with you. You know, and it's, and try to imbue, imbue your children. That's what he does. To do, that with other folks that aren't, in, you know, so it's, it's like trying to get, get your progeny to do the same thing. It's like, okay, now you go find a friend and use the edge technique on them. Find, find something that excites your buddy or when you're doing something, show them how to do it and get them involved with it. Get your hands dirty. That's what it is. It's, it's like getting them in, involved in, in what you're doing. Just don't do it for them. Have them come and help you cook. That's what I had my kids do. Hey, Come help me cook. Hey, you're the sous chef. Chop those vegetables. How do I chop a vegetable? Well, girl, let me yeah. show you how. Or son, <laughs> let me show you how. Here's here's what you do. You know, and you break it down Barney style. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. I remember uh, <laughs> I remember talking with you the other night, David, at, at the rendezvous. And, man, I, I've thought a lot about it since then. It's, it's kind of crazy how these, these campfire conversations stick with you. But uh, we were talking about different experiences that we each had with our sons. Um, you know, in my case, it was, it was with my son out in the backyard, um, practicing baseball. And, you know, I, it's, I, the, the long story short of it is as, as parents and as fathers, we can get so wrapped up, you know, so wrapped around the axle and trying to, you know, trying to push the things that we are passionate about onto our kids to the point where we, we push them too hard. Right. And sometimes what I've learned in my, you know, seven years as a father and what I'm, you know, continually failing at, but trying every day to, to improve is to, to say like, look, um, that, that incremental approach that you talked about, Jack, you know, is so, is so much more valuable and it's going to be so much, 
of a higher success rate to facilitate this retention aspect that we're talking about, um, to, to be patient, to find, like you said, find those things that interest them. It's going to be different between my son and my daughter, right? Like I have to recognize that, um, the, the same things aren't going to trip their trigger. My son may love to fish. My daughter may not give a shit about fishing, but she may, you know, <laughs> she may want to be out there, out there picking the mulberries. And, yes. you know, that's, that's fine. Like at the end of the day, um, having that, having that understanding, whether it be in the, in the parental role or otherwise, um, I think is, is one of the big, uh, the big things that I am, am wrestling with and, and trying to, trying to understand as, as a parent of, of small children and, and thinking about these three R's, uh, as it relates to, um, making sure that that next generation does have an involvement with the outdoors. Yeah, dude, that's great. Well, fellas, we, uh, we're approaching an hour here. Um, really, really appreciate y'all's perspective on this. It's great, great, uh, great listening to a couple of, couple of gentlemen like yourself that have, have, uh, unique perspectives and, and have really, in my opinion, um, something valuable to be said on, on important topics such as these. So before we wrap it up, um, David, Papa Stark, what you got for us? Any, any closing thoughts here? Yeah, man, just, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of almost the same closing thought that I always have is kind of get out there, you know, put yourself out there and get to it. You know, whether it's, whether it's, reactivating somebody, whether it's uh, retaining somebody, bringing somebody in. I'm like you were just talking about with your kids, man, you know, find, you know, find out how you can, you know, convey the best sides in your passion in a positive manner. And let's keep this thing going. Um, it's just, it, it's too good to not, put forth that effort you know we have too great of an opportunity here you know in this country um too great of an opportunity to just kind of let it slide because some folks you know some folks won't do these things because they're selfish you know i don't want more people on the you know on the mountainside with me or this and that and the other like you know this is here for everybody let's keep it that way well to to you know use words that have been said before if not us who if not now when you know it, it's up to us to find one yep. person if all of us from hle find one person this year to recruit one person to retain and one person to reactivate we will have done a lot we will be successful and we'll only be helping ourselves yeah that's right and and Man, as you two were both thinking or, or talking, talking through that, it got me thinking. There's there's almost a fourth R that we should add, which is we have a, a responsibility now. We have we, we have the, we have a fourth R to yeah. We have the responsibility to to keep these three R's at 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 the uh, at the at the focus, right? Um, Dad, I'll have to put the fourth. R that's huge. You know, it's, it's like you said, Jack. If we yeah. <laughs> yeah, the four oh, R's. Man. Might, have to, might have to rename this one the four R's. I mean, you know, I mean, it really, that's that's what it is. It's, it's we have that responsibility there. We had folks that went before us that, you know, had challenges that they faced and they they took that responsibility and they met them. And we have challenges today. 
Um, there's no shortage of challenges facing the hunting community out there. All you got to do is um, a little bit of a little bit of Google searching, and you know you can you can find numerous challenges that face us as as hunters and outdoors men and women. And so we do. I think we have a responsibility. And uh, it's like you said, Jack. If we if we can all make you know make it a, cons- a concerted effort this year to bring someone in and and uh, and focus on these things, then we'll be doing we'll be doing the uh, the model that North American model. Well, maybe instead of a, a hero challenge, we can set up a recruitment, reactivation, retention challenge because it's our fourth our responsibility. Oh, uh, so maybe we could do yep. that challenge. Hell yeah. Yeah. I can't, I can't think of a better challenge. Sounds like a worthy endeavor, gentlemen. Well, fellas, this has been awesome. It's been a pleasure as always. Um, yeah, man, I, I, man, these, these conversations just get me fired up and, and, uh, the only way it would be better is if we were all sitting around a campfire in person smoking a cigar, but I know that day will come. sounds like it might be, uh, might be in the Turkey woods someday or, Ice Maybe fishing in the shanty. Riding our hands or, or up there ice fishing in the cold winter. Oh, man. You're, that would be – I would love to record a podcast in, in an ice shanty. That would be let's, awesome. Let's, let's work that <laughs> and make it happen. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, it was I'm, a pleasure in. meeting you both in person. Yeah, sure. Absolutely, yep. Yeah, the pleasure the pleasure was all mine. Appreciate the hell out of you fellas and, uh, and, the, and all the HLE guys. And uh, to all the listeners out there, appreciate the hell out of you guys. We'll talk to you next week.